What up, everyone? Dre here. Andre Ojeda here for Stadium Journey. Welcome to today's podcast. Throughout the 2018 baseball season, I had a chance to travel to all five California MLB parks out here in our great state of California, out in the left coast, the best coast, the west coast. Okay, so I'm showing a little bias here. But anyway, I think I'm on record for being the first Stadium Journey correspondent to have reviewed all five California Major League Baseball ballparks this season. And it was a very fun task for me as I got to, again, you know, got a chance to see ball ball games in all five major yards out here in the left coast. And here with me is tonight, today rather, is a technical engineer for NBC Radio, the Kate Delaney Show, locally here in Los Angeles, Josh Jacobs. Josh has been going to baseball games with me over the years for about, what, the last 25 years. And he's been to all five of these uh, stadiums with me, particularly Dodger Stadium, or, you know, here in Los Angeles where I and Josh are based. So we've, go to, we've gone to plenty of Dodger games over the years. And the five yards that Josh has been with me, he's been with me throughout the years, not all this year, but he has been, he's the only one here actually who's been to all five of the major ballparks out here in California, so he's going to provide his insight as well. And before we move on, we want to thank Mr. Reno Sparks of Mid-City of L.A. for the opening beats here. You can check him out on his SoundCloud, Reno Sparks. It's also You can also check him out on YouTube, and it's Sparks with a Z at the end. So check out his beats. Josh, welcome. Thank you. So as I was saying that uh, I did have a chance to... Uh, go to all five parks here in California this year and rank them all. And uh, recently, Stadium Journey released their um, ballpark rankings from 1 to 30. Now, my rankings um, among the 30 ranked actually throughout from 1 all the way down to 30. So (laughs) you could say that I was fair in my assessment, but... um, of course, my ranking shouldn't be as a surprise. Let's start with number five of the five California yards, the Oakland Coliseum, home of the Oakland Athletics. Overall, that actually ranked number 29 overall, only in front of surprise. Tropicana Field. Tropicana Field. However, it did rank uh, just right behind Yankee Stadium. Not by much, but according to our fanfare score, um, the fan experience at Oakland Alameda Coliseum, right, um, uh, total score. Now we'll get to uh, how we come up to the score in a moment. But um, the total score ended up being a 3.15, only 0.04 points behind Yankee Stadium. <laughs> now, uh, let's explain our... Uh, our rank our scoring system for a bit. Um, there are seven categories, and they get a score a ranking from one through five. The categories being food and beverage, atmosphere, neighborhood, fans, access, return on investment, and extras. And you can check them out on our web on our site stadiumjourney.com, and you can look up our uh, one our major league park 
rankings from 1 through 30. And as I was saying, overall, Oakland Alameda Coliseum did rank 29th, just behind Yankee Stadium. Now, that could be a good thing for the A's. <laughs> or, again, depending on your point of view or, or how you feel about the Yankees, who uh, were dominated in the first round of the... American League Division Series by the Red Sox. Not so much that they were eliminated, but the fashion that they were, especially that third game losing 16-1. to <laughs> <laughs> Now, let's talk about Oakland Coliseum. Now, uh, 3.15. Now, obviously, you know, because uh, to be fair, all the stadiums, all 30 stadiums, actually ranked above 3.0, uh, which is a good thing because um, it's probably, from my from my recollection, is probably the first time all of all of the parks ranked above 3.0. So there have been some fan enhancements at Oakland Coliseum since the last time I had been there prior to 2017, and we'll get to that in a moment. But Josh, your take on, the, on your when you went there with me last year, 2017? Well, the first time I remember going there was 2001. From the BART station, I looked at what they call Mount Davis, the extension. I thought, what architect did that? That was the worst looking. Even like an amateur who had never been an architect before their life could have, could have done a better job of matching the you know, extension of seats with the stadium itself. Um, when I got in there, uh, I, I did feel kind of, you know, a distance, but... It didn't feel too distant. Like, I remember the old uh, Veterans Stadium when we went there back in 2003. That was 2003 in Philadelphia, yeah. And that one, there were seats where you could only see, like, maybe 60% of the field from some vantage points. That was not the case with Oakland Coliseum. Now, granted, a lot of what is called Mount Davis was tarped off, and it has all the retired numbers there at the top of Mount Davis as well as the athletics logo. But, um, you know, it's, it is convenient to get there. You get the, the BART station is right there. In fact, one of the stops at the BART station goes right to the stadium. So that's one of the good conveniences of that stadium. So if you don't want to have to drive, you can just take the BART and get there directly. You don't have to worry about taking a cab or an Uber or a Lyft. You just get right there. Um, the cleanliness it was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was, you know, <laughs> kind of, it's dirty around outside the stadium. It really is. Uh, that's, there's no doubt about that. But inside, it's not too bad. Inside, they kept it clean. So, you know, I'd rather have something that's beautiful or not beautiful in this case, but I mean, nice on the inside and not so nice on the outside rather than nice looking on the outside and then just awful on the inside. <laughs> it's like the old uh, tree that, you know, is dead, so they spray paint it green, so it's beautiful and green on the outside, but still dead and brown on the inside. Now, of course, you know, we talked about the cleanliness inside the Oakland Coliseum. Now, a lot of that also, and believe it or not, you now from Josh's point of view, the night that I took him last year, um, it was pretty clean. Of course, you could also attribute that to the sparse crowds that they do draw there at the Oakland Coliseum and anyone that's been to the Coliseum post-1996 uh, can see why the crowds aren't exactly there, That why fans haven't exactly flocked there in droves. Um, as for the surrounding area, as you uh, 
touched upon that the surrounding area isn't the greatest and that's one of the areas where the uh, fanfare does uh, suffer. However, I did give it an extra point for the fact that there is an in and out right down the street on the other side of I-880, so <laughs> you gotta give an extra point for that in and out there. I mean, any neighborhood with an in and out, you know, it deserves an extra point, you know. That's what it's all and, about. And um, plus, you, you know, you probably want to be eating there um, before or after the game. Anyway, although... I will say this, they did enhance the food experience with the food trucks. They have various food trucks that come by over at Championship Plaza, another area that they enhanced um, starting last year, 2017. That's been a fan favorite. Uh, other fan enhancements that have also taken place there in Oakland is this area in, in above left field called the Treehouse, which has a gastropub type area, and they also have an actual oak tree inside as well um and they have a patio there with drink rails there and it wasn't exactly it didn't exactly make their roommates in silver and black happy that they took that area over but um it's not exactly like you know they're gonna be there much longer anyway and i know it's funny because i did a i had a chance to talk with the A's president, Dave Cavill, recently. Uh, one of the things we talked about was the recent bill um, that may be assisting with the new stadium. Um, target date is still 2023. Now, one of the things we talked about was team partnerships with other professional organizations. You know, a lot of teams do that. The Dodgers do that. They have their nights when they have a Dodger Kings night, Dodger Galaxy, Dodger LAFC Dodger Rams night and one of the things I discussed with President Cavill was the Cal the Oakland Cal Stanford night but one thing I wanted to touch upon but didn't couldn't quite get it out is why the A's don't have a partnership with the Raiders why they don't have an A's Raiders partnership night you know i wanted to get that out but <laughs> for some reason i don't know if that's exactly a topic i should if i have enough clout to bring that up just yet anyway so oakland again unsurprisingly right number five although again it the fan experience has improved i wouldn't exactly call Oakland Coliseum, a thing of beauty, <laughs> and when you know fans call it, it's been called that area that we were talking about, Mount Davis, that upper deck area in the outfield uh, that is tarped off not only for A's games, but it's been top tarped off the last few years for Raider games as well. Um, it is just that was the expansion when the Raiders came back to Oakland in 1995 completed in 96 and when they call it Mount Davis up there it's not exactly in the fondest <laughs> terms and several fans have told me that you get a better view of San Francisco than you do of the action on the <laughs> field that's if you're actually if they actually open that area up for baseball games which they did do a couple of times this year one of them was for a free game against the White Sox um, to commemorate their 50th anniversary in Oakland on the exact date that, their that they played their first home game at Oakland Coliseum in 1968. So moving along, um, we will, um, ranking number four in my list of five was 
in, excuse you. <laughs> of course, uh, we've had a little uh, chilly That's not weather. Commentary, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a little uh, chilly weather here in uh, LA this past week. So um, some of us are uh, kind of the weather's kind of catching up to some of us as well. But anyway, number four of my five was Angel Stadium. That one had a total ranking. Uh, Stadium Journey Fanfare ranking of 3.71. The crowd ranking was 3.76. And when we say crowd ranking, we're talking about comments from readers and past interviews, uh, past reviews. So um, the rankings aren't too far off between the fans and my review. And um, Angel Stadium overall, that ranked, let's pull up the number here. Slightly ahead of Oakland Coliseum, not to demean it. It ranked 25th out of 30. Now, that's not really a surprise given Angel Stadium's age um, and the fact that how many stadiums have been built over the years as well. So Angel Stadium, and of course it's gone through two major changes throughout its history one in the late 70s when the rams moved in and then of course back to being a baseball facility when the rams moved to st louis uh in after the 94 season it took several years to get angel stadium to look the way it has in fact this is its 20th season now that it's uh had its look with its signature feature the rock the uh California coastline out in center field, which, again, depending on who you talk to, and again, like most rankings, you know, they're very subjective, and if uh, fake rocks are your thing out there, Disney Disneyfication, I guess, or among other terms you heard from fans... And now it's time for Disney trivia at <laughs> Angel Stadium. Which they did their, their inaugural season in 98 of the renovation when the Angels had that old winged logo. So Angel Stadium coming in overall number 25 with a 3.74 Stadium Journey fanfare. And Josh, your last time you were there was what, 2001? Uh, yeah, somewhere around that time. And I just remember going the first time there. To, well, my dad used to sell records, tapestries, and turquoise at the old Orange Drive-In Theater, which was across the street from Angel Stadium. So I remember as a little kid, I remember the big A scoreboard, which was originally located within the stadium itself. And um, they had some bleacher seats out there, and that got moved when they enclosed the stadium for the Rams. When they did the renovations, originally they were supposed to bring the big A scoreboard back into the stadium itself and incorporate it, but... There was, was actually talk much. about it, but yeah, cost... Um, and that's one of the things too, because when you talk about ballpark aesthetics, that you know that big A, which is which serves as an information board right off the fifty seven freeway. But if you think about it, if they would have put it back, that probably they probably wouldn't have been able to put more seats and mm -mm. the bullpens, but primarily seating as well in concourse area. Again, cost that probably had to figure into it as much as fans who yearned for its original look prior to Georgia Frontieri in closing, and uh, that's another topic that we yeah. will table for another day. All <laughs> comments. We will, uh, and uh, Josh is uh, doing his impression of our professor from our days in uh, Pasadena City College. 
what, 20-some years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, he would happen to be a local NBC personality himself. So, um, yeah, Angel Stadium, it's the Angels are expected to be there at least until 2029. There have been talks, several talks, actually, and they've just been that talks about wanting to get a new stadium as far south as Irvine, which is a good, what, 30 minutes south of Anaheim? Eh, not, yeah. Maybe not even 30 minutes, but... It's, but it is quite a ways from L.A. and for an organization trying to, wanting, using the L.A. name and talking about possibly moving even further south from L.A. But uh, the Angels are going to be in Angel Stadium until at least 2029. And one of the uh, enhancements they did make at Angel Stadium, they did update the uh, video boards there. Um, again, the... Uh, this, the signature feature, aside from the big A, where the halo lights up for every victory, is the uh, the California coastline that spews off waterworks. That has mm -hmm. a water display for each home run, as well as fireworks. Again, if uh, fake rocks compared to real rocks over in Coors Field in Colorado is your thing. But, you know, that's just, um, again, who it, you talk to. The fireworks are kind of like... Uh inspired from the Houston Astros old exploding scoreboard back in the day when the Astrodome had that before they uh, reconfigured it for more seats for the Houston Oilers. Um, you know, Angel Stadium was not a bad-looking stadium. I thought the renovations looked nice. Uh, the thing I didn't like was the seventh-inning stretch where they had the uh, <laughs> ushers lined up around the field. They don't have as like much of them. They don't have as many of them a, anymore. <laughs> and then a uh, cheerleader singing to the microphone like it seemed like 10 decibels louder than the uh, person singing the national anthem. Uh, it was just, you know, I, I, after the first line, I was just laughing. It's like, I can't sing this. She's drowning us all out. And, um, but, uh, you know, had a wide variety of food there. The, you know, you could see the, the game pretty well and most of the seats there was a pretty good, well-designed baseball only stadium. Um, my criticism of the angels, they say, you want, we want to be the Los Angeles angels. Well, if you want to be the Los Angeles angels, you should go back to the cap he had back from 1962 to 1965 that said LA on it with a glitter halo on top, rather than just saying, hey, if you really want to be the Los Angeles Angels, that's just my opinion. You know, from a nostalgic point of view, from, I guess, the UniWatch point of view, um, you know, those that was a classic look. However, I guess if you were to talk to Angel fans that were born after 1980, now Uni talking to them, <laughs> we're kind of going off topic here. We're going from Stadium Journey to Uni Watch here, and this is a topic that Josh and I talk about all the time. Don't always agree, and we could be here forever and a day and still talk about, and I'm sure those of you have your preferences as well, but the Angel jersey, because they, they, that, their current look, uh, the red look with the red alternate, you know, of course, the road jerseys when they first went to those said Anaheim and then they just went to saying Angels. But that's been their longest tenured look. It's They've had their current look since 2002 the, when they won their first and only World Series and fans being who they are and any organization, they have an attachment and the fact that it's linked to their first World Series title and it's also been their longest tenured look. They have some sort of attachment to it. Now, 
From my point of view, I do think that at some point there's going to be a tweakage, maybe not a major overhaul, unlike some team further south that can't seem to make up their mind between toggle brown, gold, navy, blue, orange. They're 94-7 the wave. And Josh is referring to their logo from the early 2000s when they moved to Petco Park when their primary logo looked like a tranquil ocean wave. And Josh is doing a jingle of the old 94.7 wave radio station here in Southern California. Um, going back now, transitioning back now to our stadium journey topics of ball yards here in California, we're going to now transition back here to L.A. Dodgers Stadium, which actually finished in a tie in terms of our fanfare score with Petco Park. They both averaged 4.14. Now, the tiebreaker, according to our publisher who wrote this, of course, if I had to do the tiebreaker, I would have had a different criteria. I would have based it on annual attendance, which the Dodgers would have... Uh, Creamed them on. Would have uh, won by a landslide, just like if I... Now, of course, if I would have done the tiebreaker, because when it came to the over, to this overall Stadium Journey fanfare scores, Tampa actually scored higher than both Yankee Stadium and Oakland. Oakland actually tied for last with the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> my personal bias would have had Oakland over New York, but again, I'm, that's just my personal, <laughs> for personal reasons. <laughs> now, not having never, before we move on to Dodger Stadium, never been to Yank, New Yankee Stadium, um, for a new stadium and a team with a lot of history, of course, you would think that a new, a new stadium would have a higher ranking, especially a team of the Yankees with their history. But, of course, the one thing that would hurt their score, as you would expect, and you've probably heard from various sources, the thing that would hurt their score is price of admission. Now, they did score high on food and beverage, but were they were really dinged was the atmosphere. Now, of course, when in the neighborhood as well, but that certain things, of course, you're not going to control, but the atmosphere, they did score high on fans, um, but the atmosphere, I guess, when you have a corporate atmosphere and their return on investment, of course, a lot of their, uh, a lot of their tickets pretty much their seat, their seating areas, pretty much catered to stockbrokers rather than actual fans from, again, according to many sources. So moving right along, back here to L.A. to Dodgers Stadium, which did tie with Petco Park in our overall, and feel free to uh, throw any shade at me since I was the one that did all five of these uh, <laughs> rankings here in California. Um, but really, I'm not surprised that... The, the uh, overall the crowd score would for Petco. In many ways, I'm not surprised it would score higher than Dodger Stadium, mainly because it's a newer yard. There's more amenities at Petco Park, and access-wise, it is easier to get to Petco than Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium, for all its history and its beautiful views of the San Gabriel Mountains, 
it overall ranked number 16, which is in the middle of the pack, which, again, it's debatable mm -hmm. um, in... If you were to go off history alone, it would rank up there, which it does in several sources. There's all, I've also read publications where it's ranked really low as well. So uh, Dodger Stadium, to many fans, can be hit and miss, mostly hit. But um, Dodger Stadium, you know, the, old, the third oldest park in the majors, and you walk in there, you wouldn't know that it was the third oldest. It's mm -hmm. debatable whether you can call it classic or not. Got a unique look to it. I mean, when you look, when you see it on TV, it's one thing, but you walk in, it's like, you know, you're at Dodger Stadium. You don't have the ballpark green or the navy blue seats or the red seats that other yards, the traditional colored seats that other yards have in Dodger Stadium. I truly believe that Dodger Stadium is really the only ballpark that can get away with its early 60s style color palette from bottom to top. Uh, definitely. I mean, you look at Dodger Stadium, that was the first stadium I went to, the one first one you went to as far as ballparks were concerned. And to think about it today, and when I first went there back in the early 1980s, it pretty much looks the same. You know, there's not been much change aesthetic-wise, but there have been changes in amenities. There's been some additions to it. But the additions that they've put on the stadium are ones that complement rather than, than, than being a, a train wreck or, like, you know, contrasting. It's like, oh, my gosh, look what they did. They just ruined the look of this or whatever. When uh, Magic Johnson, Stan Cast, and the Guggenheim Group bought the ball club back in 2012, Immediately, they got an architect who had helped uh, design the renovations for Fenway Park a couple years before that. She came in and took detailed notes in the stadium, detailed notes on the architectural look of it. She and happens to be one of my my Twitter followers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Marie Smith, I think that's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot her name, so I'm glad you remember She that. also uh, was instrumental in helping with, the, uh, with uh, Camden Yards as well. Mm. So she knows what she's doing, and she definitely did. Because under the old ownership, whose name we shall not mention, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, uh, they had a five-year plan for this. However, the Guggenheim Group, in the off-season, immediately renovated everything else that needed to be renovated. So you got all-new restrooms, which is a great thing, because the restrooms, especially for the ladies, they'd have to be waiting for the longest time. And with renovations, we got... Uh, all new concessions. The restrooms are 30% larger for guys, 60% uh, larger for ladies. Let alone they don't have the old urinal troughs anymore. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the old school troughs. <laughs> and um, then the, uh, the concessions are a lot quicker as well than they used to be. Because for the longest time, the concessions took forever. But the new system they do have is a lot quicker. It's still... There's still some weight, but not as much as it was before. And that's to be expected for an organization that that drew 3.8 million this season, which is a Dodger Stadium record 2018 for a team that draws over three that consistently draws three and a half million fans a year. That's one of the trade-offs of going to a Dodger game is there's going to be long waits at the concessions and access. Again, it's hit and miss. There's plenty of parking. The downside to that is it can also take forever to get out of there. 
Yeah, that's, as they said, the best thing about Dodger Stadium is location. The worst thing about Dodger Stadium, location. <laughs> uh, and, and there are some, you know, amenities like, you know, things for kids to play on, like the oversized bobbleheads and, and, and championship rings and the spinning 76 ball they have in the uh, outer field area, but um, the pavilion area, rather. And then you've got uh, new places like uh, Thomas Sardis Trattoria. You have the uh, Think Blue Barbecue. Um, but the, the buildings they built back there, and then also the, uh, the bar area overlooking the, the bullpen now, they look like they've been there since the beginning of the stadium because they have that retro look. And even for years, Dodger Stadium had very little, if any, advertising. The only thing they had advertising for was 76 gas, uh, and that was it. Everything else was just no ads whatsoever. But the ads they've added um, in the stadium more permanently, rather than just on the outfield or the ribbon board, have the chevron shape just like the scoreboard. So they fit in nicely with the, with the stadium, especially the Coca-Cola sign. has a very retro look. It kind of reminds you of the 1970s Coca-Cola advertising they had in many stadiums. Um, but, you know, you, despite those amenities, you're never going to have... A, uh, a Coca-Cola slide or a Ferris wheel or a, <laughs> a, uh, a merry-go-round, you know. We'll get to that slide in a moment. But, but <laughs> you know, I, I, but that's not what, you know, and, and, and even a couple of years ago we were told by somebody at Dodger Stadium that the trick is trying to please the traditional baseball fan as well as cater to the person who wants those modern amenities. Um, and Dodger Stadium does a good kind of balance with that whole thing. Uh, plus, the the organ playing is still happening at the stadium. You have a Dean live organist. I mean, he's just, I've been he's amazed. He's also the LA Kings organist, uh, by the way. With him, he, he was like playing pure energy right into the Let's Go Dodgers. I love how he takes the organ, plays a little bit of the pop music, and segues, you know, just seamlessly into the Let's Go Dodgers or the Charge or, you know, which used to be played on a, a pre-recorded uh, bugle. Um, you know, for and Nancy B was great, but Dieter, man, gosh, she just took it up a notch. And, and um, um, you had brought up trying to cater to both the younger crowd as to the traditional crowd. Now, going back to when I had a chance to interview Dave Cavill, president of the Oakland Athletics, and they're going to continue to continue with fan enhancements until they do move into their new stadium, hopefully by 2023. But he did mention that, among other fan enhancements, that a lot of them are geared toward catering, toward entertaining millennials. Now, you and I could uh, have our... Can, uh, now, how we feel about catering to millennials, which you have to do, that could also be a kind way of saying that millennials do not exactly have the greatest attention span. But again, we'll take—I will table that for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like, the, like the sportscasters who are making fun of the you girls, know. On the, you know, like what are you doing right now? <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> that was in Arizona? That was what Chase Field a couple of years ago. All of them doing all their selfies. But you know, what's funny was. I mean, that's you see that in any oh, part. Yeah. You see that anywhere now. Some more than, you know, I mean, some mm -hmm. people do this. And, but if you think about it, that's really, I mean, when you go to a ball game these days or any sporting event, it's not 
a lot of fans don't go there just to watch the whole. You're it's mm -hmm. an experience. You're not just catering to the traditional beer and hot dog type, you know, and especially baseball because baseball is it's not quite as fast action so a sport as football or basketball or hockey so mm -hmm. fans have a chance to socialize to um it's a community and your attention isn't exactly not every, you don't have to actually focus on all nine innings now if we're talking about game seven of the world series the last place anybody should be should be at the bar behind the left field pavilion but <laughs> especially if you're spending a thousand dollars for the cheapest ticket <laughs> but no seriously though that is really what um and any owner will tell you that they can't just focus on the uh now having said that dodger stadium they do one of the best jobs of not overdoing, of not just over catering to any one particular group. Um, they are not gonna, you're not gonna have any over the top type of food selections. You're not gonna have a club, <laughs> you know, unlike uh, Marlins Park in Miami and see how that club, you know, and you know, that club, I mean, if a club was to be drawing in baseball fans, then Marlins Park would be ranking up there in attendance. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> that just goes to show that people still value a good product on the field. So, all right, moving on, moving right along to number two of Dre's five California parks, Petco Park, which overall, overall ranked number 10 in our overall stadium journey 2018 rankings now petco just completed its 15th season in operation in the bigs it's hosted two it's hosted two playoff teams 05 and 06 they've only the padres have only had one winning season since that was 2010 so mm. attendance isn't exactly gonna be at its peak although it's been middle of the pack which says a lot for a team playing in a warm weather climate and which has a lot of uh, transplants as well next year is going to be its 16th season and of course its signature feature is the western metal supply building out in left field I mean, it's not as long as the B&O warehouse in Baltimore, but it still is a nice touch. It was an original warehouse mm -hmm. in the gas lamp part of San Diego. Petco Park did revitalize the gas lamp neighborhood of San Diego when it did open. It still continues to uh, add more venues. Mm -hmm more entertainment venues these days. Josh? Yeah, it was interesting because the first time we went there was its first season back in 2004. And at the time, the Western Mail Supply Company building was a standing room area uh, just outside the gift shop, which is the first floor of the Western Mail Supply Company building. Which is now prime seating. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we got to see a lot of uh, games with the Dodgers there. Uh, I remember people even coming up and talking to different Dodger players, 
In fact, I remember the first season Kershaw was in the majors. He oh, talked no. to us for a brief uh, second there. But he said, sorry, guys, got to stretch right <laughs> now. <laughs> um, the Padre fan was offended by that, but was like, well, you know, he's got to stretch. He's got to do what the coach tells him to do. You know, <laughs> we're not going to say, please don't obey your coach. Um, but um, it was uh, – and then um, – in 09 also, we um, were in staying room only and got to be seen on television, and a bunch of our friends were asking Twice. That, <laughs> did we see you on television? I was like, yep, that's what, that was us dancing my with phone, Twist and My phone kept, kept getting so many texts after that seventh <laughs> inning stretch. Um, another thing Actually, about dancing Petco. was from the Mark Madsen oh. School of Dancing, by the way. <laughs> if you call either one of us, if you call that dancing, what either Josh or I was doing. But... This past season, um, recently, Petco, uh, they added a statue of Trevor Hoffman, which, if you look at it, looks like he's throwing toward Tony Gwynn, the statue of Tony Gwynn up at, the, uh, up at Picnic Hill nearby, where there's a grass area there where fans can uh, lay back, um, watch the game on the cheap. Another thing the uh, Petco Park has added, they added this in 2016 as a Hall of Fame as well, a part, uh, San Diego Baseball Hall of Fame, which has a history, a timeline, and other exhibits of San Diego baseball prior to the Padres Major League days, um, as well as the all the way up to current day Padres. Um, there's plaques out there of uh, Padre players players that wore a Padre uniform at one time that are in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, there's an interactive exhibit that shows great moments in Padre's history, one of them being Garvey's home run in 1984 in the LCS that sent the Cubs and the Padres to a decisive Game 5. And if you talk to many a Padre and Dodger fan, and, um, again, depending who you talk to, <laughs> Many will tell you that it's that moment that is the reason why Garvey's number was retired first as a Padre. Now, of course, here in L.A., it's still quite a topic whether Garvey's number should be retired up here. Of course, there's also a joke in San Diego that it took a Dodger to get San Diego Padres <laughs> on the baseball map in 1984 to get them to their first World Series, so... Now, but while we're on that topic, how do you feel about the Padres retiring Garvey's number before the Dodgers? <laughs> well, <laughs> if the Dodgers should ever do it someday. <laughs> you know, I, I completely disagree with the Dodgers' role of having to have the player be in the Hall of Fame in order for a number to be That's retired. That's another debatable um, topic as especially well. Especially <laughs> with Gil Hodges. Even Vin Scully himself said a couple of years ago, first baseman Gil Hodges, um, who won championships with the team back in 55 as well as 59, both in Brooklyn and Los Angeles. Not to mention that Hodges had uh, several home run records in seasons with Brooklyn, was in the All-Star game many, many times. Um, he said Gil Hodges should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he really should be. And I think that Hodges, number 14, should be retired for the Dodgers because – of all those accomplishments. I mean, the Mets did retire his number. Uh, he played for the Mets and then was their manager during the Miracle Mets of 1969 and continued there until his uh, uh, premature death in 1972. But I think I think Hodges should have his number retired. I think Garvey should. I think that uh, Fernando Valenzuela, I mean, 
I don't think any Dodger fans would no. be like, how dare you retire Fernando's number? No one's ever worn 34 since he left. No Dodger's worn 34 since he left. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Fernando's number retired. I mean, that would be, there'd be so much celebrating. We'd be creating our own earthquake, just jumping up and down in <laughs> excitement. And finally, our top park in California, number one, not surprising, now going to be entering its 20th season, believe it or not, in 2019. Yeah, wow. 20th season. You know, it opened in 2000. 2019 is going to be its 20th season. And it's been under, what, three names now? Opened as Pac Bell Park and then transitioned to SBC Park. And then in 06, became AT&T Park. Has been, has been AT&T Park since. And that ranked as our top yard here in California, as well as the number one overall ranking Barely beating out PNC Park. Overall, according to the um, Stadium Journey fanfare scores, it actually tied PNC Park. Um, the key to the tiebreaker was, of course, the fans. Now, the Giants, they've averaged 3 million fans since, for the better part of their of the park's history, uh, missing 3 million a couple of times, but they've been pretty consistent. Where the Pirates... Uh, they, even though they did have a good season this year, their fan score didn't score quite as high as eighteen as San Francisco's, and that's where the Giants were. That was probably a key as to them coming out on top above Pittsburgh, and that's really a hard decision. Now, if you talk to me, my tiebreaker would give it to PNC Park, mainly for the fact that their colors are black and gold, not black and orange. But, and then again, remember, this podcast is taking place here in Los Angeles, so <laughs> um, as we are at this moment trailing one nothing, one game down one game in the uh, 2018 NLCS to Milwaukee. Game two will be in about 12 hours from now as Josh and I are here in Glendale in the wee hours of Saturday morning. But AT&T Park, now you mentioned earlier the Coke bottle. No, it's funny because um that used to be open to anybody. Now it's just, I think, kids 14 and under. Apparently mm. what happened was somebody actually got stuck in that slide, and now it's a safety issue. That <laughs> Maybe they should widen like they did Small World with the boats. <laughs> I don't know if they have quite the capacity for that. <laughs> but, you know, AT&T Park. Now, you know, that offers pretty much everything for every fan there. You know, that's probably, as I stated in my review, one, you got gorgeous views of the Bay, McCovey Cove, uh, San Francisco. It is a very pricey city, no matter what. And admission to a Giants game is no different, especially if they happen to be playing the, their rivals, the Dodgers, and, of course, cross-bay rivals, Oakland, and certain other opponents like the Cubs, particularly when the Dodgers are in town. That can be a very mm -hmm. pricey ticket of course anything in san francisco is pretty pricey but if it's your first time in the city you know it's still uh worth it to uh i mean to splurge every now and then and um san francisco makes new york look affordable in comparison <laughs> but at&t park i mean when they say there's really no bad seat i mean you again you could be in the last row up in the upper level 
and you have nice views of just the surroundings, the, uh, the natural surroundings around it. And it's a lot more comfortable than their previous yard candlestick, much more comfortable. <laughs> you know, I saw a couple of baseball games there at candles. And oh, another thing too, is when you go to San, even though it is a lot more comfortable at AT&T, um, any first time visitors to San Francisco, it's still advised that you do dress warmly. Uh, mm -hmm. October actually happens to be one of the warmer months of the year in San Francisco, but it's, to, you know, because um, Northern California weather can be pretty chilly, as Mark Twain once said. My coldest winter was, what, a summer in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Josh. AT&T Park. Well, I remember going there back in 2001, and we were staying in Oakland, and we... Um, Dropped our stuff at the, off at the hotel, and we uh, get to San Francisco. We're changing trains. I'm wearing a Dodger cap. And some guy in a business suit goes, you guys suck. And I just started laughing. And then uh, the restaurant we went to, this, some Italian restaurant that Tom and the sort of like to frequent. I was like, oh, we don't want to serve you. Uh, you're, uh, you're Dodger fans. I said, well, I thought this was supposed to be an open-minded city. <laughs> <laughs> they served us. Uh, I don't know about and the service was pretty friendly, by <laughs> the way. Friendly. They were kidding around, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, there were fans that, uh, you know, were were mean and hostile, but then others, you know, kind of joking around about the uh, the hostility. And when we hostility. say mean and hostile, and revert, you know how, as they say, the bark is louder than the bite. <laughs> yeah. The funniest one was there was a guy giving me the middle finger, F the Dodgers, F the Dodgers, and he was wearing a Detroit Tigers cap. I was trying to, at the moment, I was just kind of like startled. This guy was like, you know, so close to me. But I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Why is this guy wearing a Detroit Tigers cap with an orange D? I just, that just, that, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but he was so hostile and not kidding around. I did not ask him why he was wearing a Detroit Tigers cap. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then at the time, the they have an old-fashioned trolley there in the in the ballpark. And, at the time, the trolley... The cable car? The cable car. It's still there. It's and, the uh, it had decals in the window that said, no Dodger fans. I was just busting up laughing. We were taking pictures with it. They've taken down the sign that says, no Dodger fans, probably because so many Dodger fans were... Mocking it. pictures, mocking it. <laughs> or as it. they say today, trolling it. Trolling it. <laughs> you know, it didn't, it, it didn't have the Okay, I effect. was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have the desired effect that I think the Giants uh, were hoping. <laughs> Um, another thing too, when you walk around AT&T Park, cause you know, it is a walking, you know, there are a lot of, uh, markers, a lot of, uh, exhibits there that pay tribute to their past and present history. Now, both the Dodgers and Giants celebrated their 60th anniversary here in the left coast this year. And, uh, this season, the Giants added an area there called the Giant Vault where they have exhibits and a timeline as well of, uh, giant moments um, dating all the way back to New York and their arrival to San Francisco, Seal Stadium in 1958 and Candlestick from 60 to 1999 and in their current stadium from 2000 on. And the theme is going to change each year. So, you know, if you, you know, candle, Candlestick. <laughs> oh, by the way, they do actually have actual seats in center field from old Candlestick Park as mm -hmm. well. You know, for fans that want to sit out there, you know, taking some of the old nostalgic, uh, you might even feel the wind coming off the cool breeze coming off McCovey <laughs> Cove as well. So that concludes our episode here of our five, our tour through 
the California Five. And uh, when you get a chance, check out our 30, our rankings of all 30 ballparks. And feel free to uh, discuss, debate, even throw shade at us. You know, we are more than capable of taking it. From LACA, from LA, this is Andre Ojeda, Dre, for Stadium Journey. I want to thank Josh Jacobs here of NBC Sports of the Kate Delaney Show. Thanks, Dre. For uh, having us here. And um, we hope that um, this guide will uh, serve to be of great use for the upcoming, for next year's 2019 season, which is only but, what, four months away, you know, spring training, um, starting in February. And, yeah, you know, we're in October already. And, you know, it's a long season, and it hasn't seemed that. Of course, you know, here in L.A., the Dodgers... Dodgers, six division titles in a row, and we're just waiting for that big prize now, you know. <laughs> so, we'll see. And uh, we also want to thank Mr., again, thank Mr. Reno Sparks for the beats here. The beats. Mid-City LA's DJ, Reno Sparks. Check out his beats in his SoundCloud. And it's Reno Sparks with a Z at the end. Also, check out his beats on YouTube as well. From LA, this is Jay with Dre signing off. Sure.